got that there, Ruben? Bingo. Perfect. Hello, everybody, and welcome to season two of the Blockchain Expert Insights podcast. This season, we'll be looking at all the emerging trends in the blockchain world. Today, I'm delighted to um, welcome back uh, Ruben Godfrey, who I um, first had on my podcast back all the way back in 2016. Uh, good morning, uh, Ruben. Morning. How are you doing? Not too bad. No, it's great. It's uh, that's been a whistle stop uh, six years. Yeah. Great to have you back on uh, this new um, podcast that I'm currently running. Happy to be here, Trevor. You know, um, yeah, but it is interesting when when we realised that it was six years ago. Um, I think it was kind of before even a lot of the, the boom stuff, the ICO stuff had even happened when we spoke before, and we were kind of talking about what potentially could happen, and and you know now. We're, we're six years later and a lot of that stuff has, has uh, come mainstream so it's, it's a very different very different environment these days but still obviously there's a i still think we're we're still at the beginning of all this so to say no 100 and it's funny back then you know even words like blockchain and decentralized were very very new whereas yeah. you know we've reached you know a global consensus i won't say a level of popularity or and global recognition, we're at the very early trajectory. So it's great to have yourself on board today to discuss one topic that I'm really fascinated with, with this topic of NFTs. So could you just give a bit of background of what your opinion are of NFTs, uh, Ruben? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, like NFTs have kind of come to the, 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 the sort of collective consciousness or, the, you know, come to the mainstream quite recently, I guess, through you know, a lot of these uh, PFPs or profile pictures that are going for multi-million dollars and pictures of monkeys and and uh, pixelated, you know, images of, of you know, the crypto punks and you know, all this sort of stuff. But they've been around. I mean, it, the concept has been around for a while. I mean, the, the idea is that it's a, a, a non-fungible token. So it's, not, you know, uh, something that can't be exchanged for something similar. It's a unique, yeah, it's got a unique digital footprint. Um, and it should represent something, whether it's in the real world or a digital asset. So, I mean, it, it, this is kind of something that came up quite early um, in the sort of, I'd say like just, well, Bitcoin obviously led the way in, in terms of cryptocurrency and then sort of looking at other, other, um, other applications of blockchain technology, this concept of colored coins is, is what they were called, or that's the, the sort of area of interest and research. Um, then you had the likes of CryptoKitties and, and stuff like that came up a few years ago, and it's only really mushroomed or blown up in the last year, 18 months, I suppose, since, uh, you know, like I say, these uh, the Bored Ape, the Yacht Club, and the, the uh, CryptoPunks and, and all these sorts of things. Um, so there's a million different ways. That, you know, I think there's a lot of, I mean, for me personally, I think um, it's the only way I can speak is from my own opinion. But uh, like I grew up around um, a lot of my friends and, and uh, people around me uh, were artists, you know, traditional painters and, and sort of did fine art. And I kind of grew up understanding that sort of stuff and had a bit of a, um, a passion for, for art, you know. And, and I think uh, when traditional artists see what looks like, you know, sort of generic or meritless um, artwork, digital artwork being produced and, and being sold for multi-million multi-million dollars, uh, multi-million pounds, it, it, it kind of ruffled some feathers. And for me as well, I was kind of, at the beginning, I was unsure if, if, if it's uh, as an art form, is it actually something that's progressing art? Is it just a cynical sort of cash-in? Is it just, you know, uh, something that's kind of spawned from the meme coins um, that, that have kind of come up in the last, again, two years post-ICO boom? 
uh, the likes of, let me start again. So the likes of Dogecoin, I suppose, that was again hyped up by Elon Musk. Is for, for, for anyone in the cryptocurrency community, it was it was a joke. Um, Dogecoin is literally just a, a clone of Bitcoin or a fork of Bitcoin uh, blockchain. It's, again, if I'm wrong on this, please tell me if anyone, anyone please point it out. But as best of my understanding, Dogecoin started out like that. And it was literally started on Reddit, I believe, as, as a joke. And uh, so it kind of spawned this whole sort of meme coin um, subculture where people were coordinating on Telegram. You have these sort of pump and dumps or rug pulls, all this sort of stuff where these absolutely worthless coins uh, were, were just being hyped up. And, um, and you know, people on the, on the inside track were, were, were kind of running at the top of the market and uh, crashing the, the value of the coin. So uh, to me, uh, that's what I felt at first. I just saw, you know, why on earth can these, um, why on earth are these, you know, just iterative, uh, pretty bland and not very interesting pictures of, of monkeys, et cetera, um, being so highly valued, you know? And, and so I had the question, is this legitimate art? I suppose it kind of, then I took a step back and, and you know, you got this whole sort of, the, the argument about NFTs, are they worth anything? You know, uh, the right click, copy paste, you know, now I own the NFT. And it's not so simple as that. Um, and a good, I think a good analogy or a good way I position them for me when it comes to the, the, this digital art is the same as say with Banksy, or if you go back a little bit further with Andy Warhol. Um, and Banksy, if anyone's not familiar, is like you know, the, the graffiti artist, street artist who, who essentially makes templates, or sorry, stencils, and uh, you know, provocative stencil art. So, I mean, what's the difference between owning a Banksy's the, the richest living artist, uh, as far as I know. Uh, certainly his, his work sells for in the multi-million dollars sphere. Um, so, you know, what's stopped me just, I mean, what's the difference between having a, a, a real Banksy on my wall versus something I bought then, you know, that's the exact same image. And there is no difference. I mean, there is no intrinsic value in it. it, it, it the value comes from you knowing that the artist made it and understanding some of the, the, the philosophy behind it, uh, understanding that the journey that the artist has gone on to get there, understanding, you know, a little bit perhaps about the art history and I say, you know, even going back, and Banksy ruffled feathers. And then you have like the Damien Hirst as well. Damien Hirst is a, a great example of somebody who's uh, transcending, you know, sort of more traditional art. Damien Hirst is uh, still a very modern contemporary artist. You know, a lot of his, anyone who knows Damien Hirst's like work, you know, suspending sheep in formaldehyde, cutting a shark in half and suspending that in formaldehyde, you know, sort of ask the question, is this art? But Damien Hirst came out with a couple of collections of NFTs recently. Um, so it's kind of showing that to me at least demonstrated that there is some merit in this and, and, you know, if a new art form doesn't ruffle feathers, it doesn't have any merit at all. So, so that's on, on the kind of digital art side of things. Now, are the prices inflated? Who knows? I, I know that in the traditional art world, if you set a price, that is the price. I mean, you're not going to kind of have a sale. If you own a Van Gogh, you're not going to sell it for any less than you bought it for. Right. Um, and the same, I think, could be said for uh, certainly not all of these uh, PFPs, not all of these, um, but some of the more prestige uh, artists like the Board API Club, uh, the CryptoPunks, et cetera, is, you know, it's probably got a, there's a whole list of them, um, but they're probably going to keep their value. Now, there are, obviously, the, the, the market, it's been seen as being sort of a, an opportunity to make a quick book. 
So the, the, the market is being probably inundated and there's probably more uh, supply than there is demand. Um, and, and there's certainly a lot of speculation coming into the space. So how much of that sticks around, I don't know, but um, I think it is a valid art form or valid art movement, we'll say. And um, it's unlikely that that these uh, pictures are going to go go down in value. The, the, the interesting part about this is, I suppose, it, it brought attention to NFTs as a, as a concept. And it's once you start then, uh, as you mentioned off air, just about the sort of different applications of NFTs uh, beyond just uh, collectibles and and uh, you know uh, pictures that have scarcity value. Um, Back a few years ago, we were, you know, I think you've probably heard this term, Trevor, back uh, over the past few years, but, you know, everything will be tokenized was a, as a nice kind of um, slogan, we'll say, that was popular in cryptocurrency and, and, and Bitcoin circles and blockchain circles about, you know, at some point, everything will have a digital footprint somewhere on the blockchain or it will have a tradable or, you know, uh, transferable digital version of itself. So, and that's kind of where I see the future as being. Um, and, and it could be anything from say, uh, very topical would be like humanitarian aid, for example. So, you know, you give money to a charity and you want to sort of see what the transparency, so for greater transparency. So you give hundred dollars, a hundred euro into a charitable organization that can be tokenized within the organization. You can see, you can trace exactly where your money is going. Or if you say, for example, a shipment of humanitarian aid uh, leaves Dublin and it uh, arrives then in, you know, in Ukraine, we'll say, again, very topical, but it arrives in Ukraine, how do you know it's getting to the right place? So there's a case of you have a pallet uh, with a QR code on it that has a, a, a unique digital footprint and that can be you know, tracked and traced all the way to, from, from source all the way to uh, endpoint and to the user. Um, yeah, the less her, you know, so, so th th there's a million different ways you take a, say, for example, uh, a car, your car, you buy a new car and you'll have an NFT of your car. Uh, we'll have all the service history, all the telemetric data about how far you've driven, uh, has it been in a crash, what parts have been replaced, this sort of stuff. So instead of having, uh, relying upon, um, you know, mechanics and, and uh, previous owners to, to keep all the, the paperwork up to date, you know, when's the last time you had a full service history of the second-hand car you bought, right? Like, so, <laughs> like that you can trust. So, so this sort of stuff, so just greater transparency. Uh, you talk about product life cycle. Again, the sort of, um, the, the, over the past few years, there's an increased, um, an increased will for uh, manufacturers and, and, and consumers to be more cognizant of what happens to the, the products they're consuming after uh, after you've used it. So like uh, the laptop I'm on right now, which is getting close to the end of its life, what happens with the hard drive? How are all the, the precious metals or the dangerous metals? How is all that all disposed of? So having an NFT that's associated with this, uh, you, you're talking about the end of life cycle and making sure that, that uh, components and, and everything is being recycled and uh, reused uh, and not just being you know thrown in the sea sort of thing. So. You know, this sort of stuff is, there's a million different applications and we're seeing more every day. Um, I should probably mention the company I, I have been working for myself for the last few years uh, in the ICO space. Um, and obviously as that went south, there's kind of, uh, you know, I've been, I've been very careful about the projects I've been working with and um, began working with a, a, a marketplace called Niftyfy, um, 
and we're we're trying to make this easier for for people who have these ideas to to get in and just have a sort of like a Shopify for for uh, for an NFT marketplace. So people can have these ideas, run it up the flagpole, see is is there any sort of um, is there an appetite for it? Uh, and there's a million different potential applications, and we're just kind of scratching the surface right now. But um, yeah, it's uh, interesting interesting times. Fascinating insights there, Ruben, as always. And I suppose for me, you know, new technologies is all about stickiness, you know, the Angry Birds phenomenon, going global, you know, and Pokemon, you know, phenomenon. I think yeah. NFTs have reached that level. Um, in terms of acceptance then from providers, you know, I was at um, a webinar there uh, last year by Sotheby's, you know, so they were providing an overview of what NFTs were, why they were getting into the market. So I, I, I think... You know, we're at a, still at a pre-embryonic pre stage. And as you've mentioned quite concisely there, there are other avenues that I can see, um, you know, NFTs being used, particularly for transparency and um, originality along the supply chain. And I've seen some yeah. very cool areas in terms of LearnFi, particularly from the education platform, where, you know, you get rewarded with NFTs for completing courses and watching exactly. videos. Yeah, exactly. Well, look, if even then, it, it's kind of if you take the education part, which is close to your own your own heart and your own experience. But if you if you take an individual, uh, so beginning, you know, in kindergarten or whatever, uh, junior school, and uh, coming all the way up, and you have a full history of what that person has been exposed to all the way up, all their grades all the way up, um, and you can have like permissioned access, so you know it's not going to be sort of available to anybody and everybody online, but then. Uh, you can keep an eye on that. So any, um, you, you know, your full education history and your full accreditation all in one place and you can allow people to access that. Um, potentially you kind of get into dense with medical records and stuff. It is a bit trickier. There's a few few nuts to crack left in that space. But, you know, take the education thing, I think is massive. Um, you know, uh, I, I know in the US, it's, it's uh, once you get your diploma, like you actually have to hang on to that piece of paper and nobody actually believes you, you, you know, you've done it. So, I mean, having a single source of truth uh, and with permissioned access and, you know, so this could be something I'd see being taken on, uh, taken on pretty quickly. There's very few barriers to that actually being something that, that is taken on. We're looking at a pilot project right now, in fact, with exactly that. So, um, so yeah, that could be something that will, be absolutely the norm, you know, in a couple of years' time. We'll wonder what we did before, you know, before this was there. You had pieces of paper? Yeah. 100%. As my yeah. daughter says, um, you know, we had this old Microsoft computer, so, you know, Microsoft Paint, draw a picture, NFT it, get your first million. But thanks a million for today, Ruben, and uh, we'll keep our finger on the pulse just to see where, you know, NFTs are going. It's been great having you on again, and hopefully oh, sure. As well for uh, another iteration of, um, of a podcast. Design. We won't wait. We won't wait six. We won't wait six years next time, Trevor. No, most definitely not. Thanks a <laughs> million, Ruben, uh, for those insights today. All the best, Trevor. Talk to you soon.